When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Remind me to ask you about somebody who I will recommend to you in terms of uh, a guest. Fuck yeah. Well, uh, we're recording. Mr. Michael Vecchione is going on. Author of Crooked Brooklyn and uh, Friends of the Family, which completely, we were supposed to do that episode today and like a jackass completely slipped my mind. I was like, I knew I I I was having you on today. And I was looking at it and I was like, what are he and I talking about? And then, like, the creeping realization dawned on me. Because I, I had Jefferson Morley yesterday, and I was cramming his book up into the last minute, which is awesome, Man in Mexico, about the CIA, JFK, and how the CIA 100% whacked JFK. Point is, is I finished that, did the podcast, and was just kind of chilling. I was getting into bed, and I was like, it's like what the comedian Brian Reagan says, the mo- you know, in fifth grade when you wake up and you realize, like, that book report's due today, and you yeah. haven't done it yet. I was like... I was supposed to have a book read for tomorrow. And I was like, fuck it, Mike's a cool guy. I'm just going to text him and ask him if we can redo that. So we're doing that in January. But point being, yeah, back to what you were saying beforehand. You're going on a Don the Pleb show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the um, – he didn't say what they wanted uh, or what they're going to talk about, but I don't care. I'm ready to talk. So. He's, dude, he, he's just a cool guy. It, I don't. I have no idea what he's going to do. Good. He's good. a cool guy, well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for um, for setting me up with that. Absolutely, so. man. Don's a badass. I love him. He just, yeah, he he live streams shit. He goes to protests. I think he was in the Marines. He's got like 11,000 subscribers now. His channel's blowing up. He's cool as fuck. I love having him on. And um, yeah, he's helped me grow. So I was like, I'm going to send some of my like cooler guests to him. You made the cut, Mike. You're one of the cooler guys. Ah, but, thank you very much. Nice to be cool. <laughs> of course, man. And, I don't know. If you're cool in my eyes, that, that might not be good, though. You know? Uh, you, it, well, that's okay. I'll know? take it. You know? I'll take it. <laughs> so I was thinking about your book, Crooked Brooklyn, which will be in the description right. and sticky in the top comment. Buy it, you fu- Excuse me. I just had a stroke. Buy it, you fucks. But in it, you talked about how you guys did, like, undercover, uh, like, surveillance of the that judge, right? Yes. How high up do you think that goes? And is there? do you think there's any way that's happening now? Because I think it was last week or two weeks ago that that list was leaked by, I think, Sky News in Australia about the 1.95 million CCP members around the world that were embedded in corporations, institutions, and political parties on all continents. I read about that, yes. Which is, hey, man, respect your enemy. But regardless, they're commie traitors. Do you think there's because it's kind of weird that the Supreme Court just outright said we're not going to hear this case. And it doesn't matter if you're left or right. That's a little odd if they're just going to say we're not even going to see it. How high up do you think shit like that goes? Well, you know, I have to I I, if I gave you an answer would be just simply a guess. Yes, of course. Yeah. Let me just let me just um, say this, that. Before we started this investigation, the one that Crooked Brooklyn is the covers, it's covered in Crooked Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, it was always, you know, talked about that there was corruption. It was always speculated that there was corruption. And, um, you know, and then and, and there were strange 
things that happened, strange decisions, things that you felt were against, you know, common sense even. Forget about the law. It's just, just commonsensical. And when I was appointed to take over rackets, the district attorney literally walked me to a window in his office that overlooked the courthouse. And he said to me, to follow, he asked me the following question. Do you think there's any corruption in that building? That was his question to me. And I answered, yes, I do. Because I had heard about it. I was practicing law for a long time, for 10 years, on my own, in between my two stints in the DA's office. And there was this, there's always the whispers, you know, and they are whispers because these things, Tom, are not done in the, you know, in the light of day. Yeah. They're not done in the, in the corridors of the courthouse. They're done in the back rooms yeah. of the courthouse. Yeah. So, um, so unless you happen to be in that back room, you never really had the answer. But I had, but my answer to him was, yes, I do believe it. He said, now let's go out and find it. And, and that's what I did. You know, we, um, we found what everybody believed was there. And when we, when I did the first judge and knowing that it's impossible in my mind for a judge right out of the box for the first time he's ever been on the corrupt side of the law, ask for $250,000 to sign a document. I say to myself, he had to have done this before. Yeah. Nobody does that yeah. right out of the box. Yeah. So, so I, and then I was convinced of it during the investigation when we started to reach out for people who had cases in front of him to ask them, and these are lawyers, to ask them whether or not he had ever approached them to, you know, to bribe him to sign documents. We got zero, Tom, zero help. People would not even answer the question. And the reason is because they needed to operate within that courthouse. Yeah. And if they had given up what they knew, I think that they felt, and probably correct, were correct about this, their career would have been over. They wouldn't have been able to operate in a courthouse. Yeah. So, and I'm talking about private attorneys, yeah. you know, I'm not talking about DAs because we were on, DAs were on the, the criminal side and it was, it's very difficult to uh, to believe that somebody would bribe a, a judge on the criminal side. There's nothing in it for, you know, for any party yeah. in, that, in that scenario. But in the civil side, the civil side, when you're talking about a lot of money, like there was in the, in the case with uh, Victor Barron, well, you know, then it's a an incentive to be a bad guy. And that's what Victor Barron was, a bad guy. But my point of the my whole point is that the fact that nobody told us something which I believed was absolutely true, that he had been doing this for a while, told me that I was right, that he had been doing it for a while. And it sounds crazy to be that definitive when you have basically a negative, but the negative turned to me and was to me a positive yeah. that I was right about that. Yeah. So, um, so it didn't surprise me when that case led to the Garson case, yeah. which led to Garson's co uh, uh, cousin, who was also a judge. So three Supreme Court judges sitting in the same courthouse doing corrupt things for money is is to me indicative of what is, you know, what was there. And we, I think we basically scratched the surface. Yeah. And I'll give you one other, one other story. 
during the course of the investigation, we had already locked up. Um, I think Barron had already been locked up. We may have already locked up um, Garson, but I'm not 100% certain of that. And I tell the story in the book. I'm walking from the courthouse to my office. And in order to, to do that, I had to walk down a few, you know, a flight of stairs, outdoor steps. And at the end of the steps, there was always a court officer. It was kind of like he was looking and watching for people who were, you know, on the step, on the, the grounds of the courthouse and, and would have looked like a guard, but he was sure. really, he was a court officer. So he calls me and I didn't really know his, I didn't know him. I've seen him around, but I didn't know his name. And I hear Mike, Mike Vecchione. And I turn around and it's this court officer. And he said to me, keep doing what you're doing because it's happening. And I got to tell you a story. And he says, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'll tell you a story. And I said, all right, tell me. And he, he tells me the story about how he was with a judge, assigned to a judge in the criminal side of the courthouse. And the judge got transferred to the civil side of the courthouse. And in the courtroom on the last day of their criminal term activity, he said, he, the judge closed the courtroom, called his staff together of which this court officer was one and said, we're moving to the civil side. Now we're all going to make money. He said it out loud, Tom, in a court, in, in an empty courtroom, but in front of the staff of people. And the court officer told me all about it. So he said, you're doing the right thing. You're on the right track. Just keep going. So does now to answer your question, how high does it go? I, I don't think that it goes to the Supreme Court of the United States. I don't in my heart believe that. But if you told me one day or if I picked up the newspaper one day and found out that justice so-and-so was arrested for taking a bribe in a case, would I be surprised a little bit, but not totally because I was immersed in this stuff yeah. for seven or eight years, you know, yeah. looking at this. And, and there were people who I thought were beyond reproach and, and I found out that I was wrong, you know, and, yeah. and that was it, you yeah. know, and that was essentially it. So, um, it's a um, it's a very tempting situation when you have lobbyists and you have um, you know PACs and you have people who have lots of money and they approach a politician for a particular reason and the reason is to get one of their programs you know put in the forefront or to get a law passed or to have something done that way. It's it's very tempting. For a guy who's making, you know, one hundred and thirty, hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, to take half a million dollars to do something which, if he does it right, no one will ever know he's done it. Yeah. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm really, my, I, my idea of politicians is, um, I, I don't have any respect yeah, for, no, it's, for them. I really don't. No. I really don't. And I don't have, I have, I don't have a lot of respect for. Um, for not all judges, but for, for a good deal of, you know, a good many judges who make, in my opinion, make some of the stupidest rulings that you could ever possibly imagine. It, they make no sense. And a lot of times now, particularly in this state, in New York, judges make political, make reason, uh, decisions for political purposes. Yeah. Because the head of the local 
in New York, Democratic Party is the man or woman who controls whether that judge is going to keep that position on that bench. So, you know, we thought, we thought, and I look back on it now and I laugh at myself. I thought that when at the end of the, of the end of the day, three judges locked up, the head of the Democratic Party gone to jail, the, uh, another assemblywoman gone to jail, all of them at the, during this one particular period of time, I thought that we had finally gotten to the point where we would have changed the way things were done in Brooklyn. And sure enough, that did not happen. Yeah, it did not happen. And um, somebody brought a what we thought was a, a <laughs> was going to be a, a landmark decision in a federal court when a judge ruled that a particular way of picking judges in Brooklyn was not necessarily according to the federal constitution. Um, I thought, wow, we finally made some headway and then it was overruled by another judge so so it it it's you know it's the kind of thing where people these guys and women take care of themselves um uh, and you know it's um it it's it's just pervasive and even more um even more pointed to this topic is when i was trying the head of the democratic party in brooklyn his name is clarence storman I had had him on the stand, the witness stand. Yeah. And two stories. And he was charged with whatever the charge was. There were four of them. I don't remember which case this was. But I said to him, he, he gave an answer on direct examination that he was ignorant of the law that we were charging him with violating. Right. He was he said, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know anything was wrong, etc. So I stand up on cross-examination and I say to him, so you say that you don't, you weren't familiar with this law? No, counselor, I was not. If I was familiar with this, I would never have, you know, never have done what you say I've done, blah, 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 right? So I said, really? Well, I'm gonna show you something. And I showed him the bill that was the bill that turned into the law. And who do you think wrote the bill? Him. Yeah, right. It's, he wrote the law. Yeah. He wrote the law that he said he had no idea was a law. And it, it's so, you know, it's it, it's that kind of it's that kind of thing and and what the other the other thing I wanted to say was that these politicians write laws that protect themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's they, you know, they and they and they believe and they believe I think correctly in, in a lot of situations that the public doesn't even know about this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, who's going to bitch and moan about it when they don't know about it? Yeah. But, you know, that's, um, no, it's, <laughs> and this was one example of it. This guy wrote a law that was, that was good for the politicians. He violated it, but didn't even realize that he wrote the law. And so you could tell how, how really serious they were about writing these things to protect you know to protect the public they weren't they were writing them to protect themselves and then keep the public in the dark so they didn't even know you know what was you know what was written for them so um it's a very a very sad situation in my opinion tom very bad and um and very sad and uh it, it doesn't seem as if it's going to get better anytime soon
you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, it really doesn't. Yeah, and, and I've, I've found myself having to say this more with recent guests, but it applies to all guests. My uh, my rants and opinions don't represent my guests. So, Because uh, I realized I was going on a rant yesterday, and Mr. Morley was kind of looking at me, and I was like, this guy's like a New York Times bestselling author. I was like, I can't like slander his, like, hey, you're on here with me. That being said... I mean, it seems like we're getting to a point where, I mean, look at the most recent stimulus bill that I don't think has been passed yet. Every American's getting $600, but Sudan... Yeah, it, yeah. it passed. It hasn't been signed okay, yet, but yeah. it's passed. Okay, well, $700 million to Sudan, $50 million to the Smithsonian, it's like $500 million to gender studies in Pakistan. I mean, yes. it, and, and at first glance, it's like, oh, this is just retarded. But then as you kind of use your brain, you're like, it's, oh, it's, these people aren't stupid. All these things around the world, these are fronts. These are slush funds, and they use the taxpayer to dump money into them. And you know these are all somehow or another being kicked back to the very politicians pushing them. And they don't fear us. They don't let us go outside. Now in Oregon yesterday, some people tried to storm the Capitol building, and their riot police kept them at bay with MRAPs and tear gas. Meanwhile, in the Portland legislation or in their, con- their state constitution, it says that like it's. I think it's like the hallways have the same, I guess, like classification as Sidewalks, meaning that any any person can go in and watch what's going on for transparency. Oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. And it's getting to a point, though, and it's getting to a point where, I mean, they're not allowing for auditing of the Dominion machines. They're not allowing for ballot counting. They're saying that you can't look at this. Stop it. It's just if this gets counted. Stop looking at this. And it's getting to a point now. And, it's, and if you speak up, it's deleted on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, which this channel, sure enough, this podcast will be going down soon because YouTube said if you post anything about election fraud, you'll be wiped clean. So everybody go follow this podcast on Rumble and BitChute, two video sites. But the point is, is it's getting to a point that it's starting to dawn on me now. And it's like, oh, oh, this is why the founding fathers were such hard asses and gangsters is because they were like, yo, this is going to happen eventually. Maybe not in your lifetime, maybe not in your kid's lifetime. But they're like, this is going to happen eventually. And as they knew in 1776 and as they knew in 5000 BC, it gets to a point where you kind of just got a clean house. And man, I hate to admit it, but I'm looking at it more. And it's like, I saw a bit with the comedian, the uh, New York comedian Ari Shafir, who's like brutally, he, he's always raw. He's, he's one of Joe Rogan's friends. But I saw an interview with him like four years ago. He's on some morning TV show. And the guy's like, Ari, when do you think politics are going to change? And he's like, they're never going to change. They're going to change when politicians start getting executed. And the guy was like, this was like Good Morning America or some shit. And the guy was like, what? And he was like, Ari's like, I don't want it to happen. But he's like, look at human history. Like my grandparents survived the Holocaust. He's like, look at the Arab Spring. He was like, how do things really change? He's like, this very nation, how, what was its, ince- its inception wasn't from Kumbaya. Its inception was was born out of the blood of tyrants. And it's like, it's not a good thing. I don't want that to happen. But ultimately, it's like pursuing your dream. And it's like, the, like you can pursue a dream. But the reality is, is, is fear is what got me into medical school, not love. Like, that's the truth. Fear, fear that I'm going to be mm-hmm. a failure. And it's. And I'm trying to like walk between the lines because I don't want to like openly call for violence because I, I I don't. But at the same time, we, just your examples and the, the examples of SCOTUS now not hearing a case. I mean, at a certain point, it's like, man, like the rev. It, I know it's a cliche, but like the revolution won't be televised. Like no one has no one voted out Hitler. Hitler died because he committed suicide because there was an onslaught of Soviet reign of artillery. Japan surrendered. Because we, the land of the rising sun, we, that day there was three rising suns, right? Or August 6th and 9th. 
the point is, is yeah, yeah, it's and, and like I, I don't Listen, want it to happen. Yeah, sorry, I'm, like, no, I'm, thir- the, yeah. The idea is that, and and this was the, we we just figured this out very quickly in the investigation that we did was that power corrupts. There's just no yeah. doubt about it, and yeah. absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, absolutely. yeah. So you know, it's a, um, it's it's what it is, and you know, with 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 this with this Judge Garson, he had, I mean, he was basically getting his after he paid when he was the lawyer yeah. and and it was his turn to start collecting yeah. and that's exactly what happened that's how he why he did this you know he had he had paid off judges when he was representing he represented the taxi industry in New York before he became a judge then he became the secretary treasurer of the of the democratic party in in Brooklyn and that's a it was a an absolute corrupt organization and probably if if Rico was in place back when he was running, when he was involved with the with the Democratic Party. There could have been a, a, a Rico case against her. But he felt at this point that, listen, I'm now here. I'm in the position of power. I'm going to get what I can get. Yeah. And, you know, and there were people who were willing to uh, to take care of her. And, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, listen, the one other thing, the judge, not the judge, but the assemblywoman who. We, we tell talk about it in the book. She was another person who was in a position of power. And we're not talking about power at the top of the of the, the pyramid. We're sure. talking about, you know, power on a very, very low level of the pyramid, but in her area of the pyramid, she was, you know, she was at the top. And that's a local politician she was an assemblywoman okay and a new york state assemblywoman but in her neighborhood she had power over things like getting construction permits signed quickly for for people who were building houses she could do that kind of thing and that's very valuable to a person building a an apartment building or building a a string of you know of homes because the faster you do it, generally, the faster you um, are able to. If you can pay off the loan yeah. to a a bank, then the mortgage, then the rate goes down, yeah. the interest rate. So, yeah. so if I'm looking to do this, and I get the local assemblywoman to make a phone call to city hall to get my permits, you know, passed quicker. Uh, or quickly, then I'm going to build my homes quicker. Yeah. So she knew what kind of power she had. Is she a queen? No. But in her little area, she was the little queen. Yeah. What she did was she she said to um, to this builder who was looking to have her help him build me a house, build me a house, and build me a house, and I am not going to pay you a dime. We're going to have a phony mortgage which you are going to give me as part of your operation, but I'm not going to pay you a cent. You're going to simply pay off the mortgage or somehow get rid of it at some point after I'm in the house. And and where she wanted the house was outside of her district. He was building a whole series of homes, some in her district, others outside. She didn't even want to live in her own district. She was building the house and getting the house outside of her district. So on top of her corrupt attitude about things, she didn't even want to live among the people who she was representing. She wanted a house that was outside of it. And 
you know, he she turned it turned out that she she picked on the wrong guy because he had gotten into trouble on Long wow. Island here in New York, and he was an informant. And once oh, she fuck. came to him, he said, "Ah," oh, and he was in trouble. So informants look mm-hmm. to inform on so they can get out of trouble. So he came to he went to the city department of investigation. The department of investigation came to us because we had a track record by then of of taking on politicians. And we were able to do this investigation and her her defense was that, you know, I really wanted him to do that. But I told him after things obviously after things had gone too far to stop i don't i don't really want it i don't want it anymore and a and a reporter asked me on the way out of the courthouse when i did the arraignment what do you have to say about her saying that after it it, she wanted it essentially canceled my answer was you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and that's exactly what she was trying to do. Yeah. It was already, she had already been corrupt. You can't undo the corruption that she was, yeah. that she had already, you know, already uh, exhibited. So, yeah. but think about what I'm saying is that you don't have to be a major player. You just have to be in the right spot at the right time as a politician to make to make money. And that's what was happening. The Democratic leader was making money because what he was doing one of the things he was doing was that he was directing people who were running for office, who that, who wanted his backing, to um, to uh, to use people who he knew to print their flyers, to print handcards, to to do the work, you know that kind of work. And what would happen is those people, the guys that own these printing companies, would kick back to him. So he would say to the judge candidate, you want to be a judge? Okay, I'll support you. But here's who you have to use if you want your flyers printed, if you want your petitions printed, if you want your cards printed. And if you don't, well, you know, you're on your own. You're not going to get my backing. And in Brooklyn, without the Democratic leader's backing, you don't have a chance. So he did that too. He did that to two judge candidates, and they basically – said no we're not doing it that way and 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 he didn't back them they testified these uh three women that we had who were judges testified in court crying i mean basically what they said was that this guy ruined our lives because we one was a judge who was running for re-election so she had been a judge for years and now she was running for re-election she needed the party backing he wouldn't give it to her unless she used the people that he wanted her to use Hire this guy to run your campaign. Hire this guy to print your, you know, your flyers. Hire this one to do X, whatever, whatever else needed to be done. If you don't hire those people, I'm not giving you our backing. And that was the death knell. That was it. That was the death knell. You can't win without the without the party's backing. So, um, yeah. So there's another example. This guy happened to be a little higher on the totem pole, but he was not the top of the totem pole he had a he had enough power within his you know his little realm that he was able to take care of certain things for himself ultimately it was for himself because he was putting money into his own pocket yeah and um you know it's it's the way it is it's the way of the way of the, uh, of, of, of politics and it's um and you know what i was accused of i was accused of 
criminalizing politics. That's what the lawyers who represented these people, all he's doing is criminalizing politics. And I just simply turned around and said to the judge, no, 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 no. It's they were politicizing crime. They were the ones who were basically criminals who were pretending to be politicians helping people. And uh, and Tom, I got to tell you, when I did the first trial, it was the first time we had ever the judges pled guilty. So they yeah. were you know, they were there was no jury. They're just like screw it. When we did a jury trial for Clarence Norman, the first one. We did the whole trial and um, his lawyer used to, I knew the guy, he used used to be my boss in the DA's office long before I became, I became what I became in the DA's office. He had left and gone to private practice. And he would, he would kind of laugh when we would come into the courtroom, say, you got nothing here. You're not, you're not going to win. When the jury said that they had a verdict before we knew what it was, he and his client were all patting each other on the back. They were, they were happy, you know, happy as hell. And the jury came out. And when they asked what the verdict was, and the four, it was a, a lady, a, a woman, four person, said guilty. I thought the, the lawyer was going to have a heart attack. Never mind his client. The yeah. lawyer out loud said, oh, no, no. And. <laughs> and to God. Afterwards, afterwards, we talked to the jurors, and they told my a couple of my colleagues that um, politician. The dirty word yeah. was politician. Yeah. Three times, Tom. Three times out of four, a jury of this man's peers convicted him. And each time he tried to portray, you know, the, the himself as being a politician for the people. Well, he used the wrong word because politician was the curse word, not the word that was going to get him, you know, uh, help from the jury. And yeah. um, and and it's you know the way it is now. I would bet you dollars to donuts that any trial in this country now, where a politician has a defendant, a jury is going to come back with a conviction. Really, it's it. But it feels like that needs to happen, right? And it's, it just, it's kind of what you said, where it's like even if you don't have like the evidence of uh, of corruption, you know, do you think there is corruption in that building? But it's like your gut is just saying like, yeah, yes, it's the same thing. Like, I just, it all seems so hairy at the and like you said, it's you don't have to be the king. You just got to be somewhere on the totem pole. You can be a big fish in your little pond. Hey, I control the building permits for this neighborhood. Yeah, you, without a you, doubt, you can wield yeah, that sword. Yeah. yeah, but it's as it goes higher and higher. I mean, damn! If it just, I don't well, know. Yeah. Let me tell you. Let me give you one other example of of exactly what you're talking about. While we were when we were uh, investigating Garson, what he was doing was he was taking money from a lawyer to fix a case but in order to get the case in front of him it goes into a wheel and somebody goes in and literally picks out the judge's name right really so yes to guarantee that the cases would get this lawyer's cases would get in front of garson they were paying off the clerk who was in charge of assigning these cases now he would they told us and i didn't mean literally picking out it's a computerized oh, okay in my mind i thought it lottery. was i thought it was no, a real no, no. fortune i was like is this no, where we are the, 
Listen, they used to do that, but the computer, the computer had an override yeah. um, component to it. And the clerk, if Garson's name didn't come up, the the judge, the, the clerk would override it. And lucky for us, when we did the investigation, when you overrode the name of the judge that was actually picked, it would be stored with a color. Okay. Like a, um, you know, Garson would then sure. turn out in red or in green i forgot what it was so we were able to figure out that someone was was doing that right so that's one so here's a little clerk in a in a room able to make sure that this lawyer's case has got before garson yeah right now garson is leaves the bench he had he took a quote-unquote leave of absence because he was helping us to get the democratic leader yeah while he was out now no one was in a position to help this lawyer who was still working for us. And one day, the court officer who was in Garson's uh, room, uh, courtroom assigned to his room, said to our lawyer in literally in the men's room, you know, I'm around, I can help you. He was now going to assume the role of the clerk because he would go to somebody in the in the clerk's office and get the case assigned to um, to Garson, if this or to any judge, if this guy wanted it to go before a particular judge. He had no idea, no idea that the lawyer was working for us. And what he wanted from from the lawyer, he wanted electronic equipment. He said, "I'll do this for you. I want a VCR." That's how long ago this was. I want a PCR. <laughs> I want this. I want that. And we had the lawyer put this stuff in black, big black garbage bags, literally carried from the trunk of his car into the courthouse with one of our detectives filming the entire thing. The, the court officer was so stupid that he didn't even try to didn't even wait in the building. He stepped out onto the street in full view of our cameras as we handed him the bags with the uh, with the electronics in uh, in front of the courthouse, so that that got him hooked. Then he told he he told our lawyer that I want cash next time. So the lawyer said, "Okay, you know I need this case put before you know Garson." He didn't know that Garson was was off the bench at that point. He still thought Garson was around. I need this case to get in front of Garson, and um, and he literally told the lawyer who was working for us, come to the men's room. And he paid, he paid him off as they were both standing at the urinal. It's It was like something you would make up for yeah. television. Or, yeah. So the court officer, of course, you know, lost his job. I mean, he sold, basically lost everything he had for a few crazy, you know, uh, 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 refurbished, electronic equipment because yeah. that's what we that's yeah. what we ultimately gave him yeah and uh, <laughs> it's, it's if you're gonna do it do it for nine figures if you're gonna do oh, it yes. do it for nine to ten no do ten figures exactly you want exactly. at least a billion like if you're gonna do this shit don't do it for a vcr do it yeah, for a fleet well, of bentley's and a 747 hey look garson was doing it for lunch for lunches for dinners for bottles of wine a bottle of whiskey i mean come on I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up. It's um I said it the other day. It's free on Audible for everyone listening, but specifically you, Mike, is the plot to seize the White House by Jules Archer, and it's um 
It's about the business plot. And it's really kind of poisoning my, like you said earlier, like in your heart, you don't think it's happening, but you wouldn't be that surprised if it was. This book, and I, I remember reading about it like once in college, but never really got into it. It's called The Business Plot, capital B, capital P, uh, that began in 1933. General or Major General Smedley Butler, the most decorated Marine in U.S. history, went in as an infantryman, enlisted, and rose to the top. I mean, truly rags to riches. Okay. Was buddy-buddy with FDR, like ran through World War One, the Chinese interventions, the Caribbean interventions, did all that shit. He was approached by, and this was in 1933, guys that, quote, could have $3 million in cash like the next day and could have $300 million within like a week. So he was, the guys that, the people that were contacting him eventually kind of let the facade fall and they had mentioned in no uncertain terms that they were working with J.P. Morgan, with um, Prescott Bush, the grandfather of George Bush. And what they wanted to do is they they hid it under the face of um, the bonus army. If anyone remembers the World War One vets that weren't getting their bonuses, so they went out and like made shanty towns in front of like the Capitol, and eventually right. they used MacArthur before World War Two to go get rid of them, move them out. These guys that approached them were both former vets. So uh, Smedley Butler, he apparently was just big heart and was always open to listening to vets no matter what so these guys approached him and it was a trojan horse and these guys were like what we want the point of this whole rant is like what we want is you to come speak because we know that people will rally behind you and listen we want you to come speak and we want to undo fdr's act of removing our currency from the gold-based dollar we're going to fiat fiat and fdr obviously got rid of every dollar has to be backed by its weight in gold not weight its value in gold these guys came up and said we want you to undo that and they disguised it as because our veterans aren't going to get bonuses where they are but then it's going to be inflation and they're not going to be worth anything so he was like listening to it he later figured out that what they really wanted was they just wanted to they didn't want that non-gold backed system because these guys were backed by JP Morgan like descendants of Rockefeller and they themselves right. had had buku bucks but the point is and I haven't finished it yet but I but I do know the story Smedley Butler kind of went along with it just to figure out what they were doing and then like exposed it because it was a plot to overthrow the White House, quite literally get rid of FDR and establish their own people. But it was a fascist coup in 1933. But the point of that whole rant was that J.P. Morgan, not the corporation, the, the, the man and the grandfather and father of two presidents contacted with $300 million in 1933, the hot, the most decorated Marine of all time to do what? to overthrow FDR. Like, it doesn't get more sensational than that. And that was exposed because Smedley Butler was a patriot and didn't give a fuck, was like, no, fuck y'all. And let and not those exact terms, but like if that happened, I'm not sure I can throw out the idea that Supreme Court's paid off by the CCP or Russia or anyone for that matter, Walmart. It's I'm gonna send you the book. It's 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 melting my mind and yeah it's kind of nothing can go up your book was the first introduction into it i'm like okay it's possible but it's probably not probable this i'm now like well if that's possible why wouldn't it tom listen when when we did the when locked up the first judge yeah 
Aaron. And I went to the chief judge in the county to tell him what was bad news um, and what had happened. He was flabbergasted. I mean, he was just flat. And I've known, I knew him. I, I still, he's still alive. So I know him for a very, very long time, this chief judge. He took, he took the fall because the powers that be felt that, I guess, you know, somebody had to take the fall for this corrupt judge. And he did. Another judge, as pure as the driven snow, was put into his position and now became the chief judge of the county. Well, within about a month, I was back in front of her telling her what a second judge of hers. Now, this is one right after the other. And she couldn't believe it. But the one thing that we had going for us is that she was really a straight arrow. And we were we we needed her to sign our the warrants for the 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 uh, video recorder for the the audio recorder, you know, all this other stuff. She scrutinized everything carefully, but gave us everything that we needed in order to do the investigation, the investigation properly. So, you know, I, I'm not sure why I started on this rant, but the bottom line is that there are people in in power who are not corrupt, Tom, and you can't yeah. ever forget that. Yeah. Because if you believe that everyone is corrupt, then, then you might as well just simply, you know, move to some island in the South Pacific and just live there on your own and, you know, and do the best you can. Make your own government. Yeah. You can't, you can't really believe that. And it's not so. As much of a cynic as I am based on what my work, uh, how my work <laughs> kind of affected me, I don't believe that that everybody is corrupt. There's that's just not the case at all. Yeah. Um, because I look at myself and yeah. look at the people who work for me. They weren't corrupt. Yeah. We worked in that, in that system for, you know, for a long time and not nobody, you know, in that worked in our office with me was corrupt. There were some ADAs who got into trouble for doing, doing things that were, were corrupt, but you know, there are others who were and still are, you know, just straight arrows. They're not going to, yeah. uh, they're not going to bend. They're not going to certainly not break they're certainly not going to bend at all even so yeah. you know so don't i'm just trying to tell you that don't get totally turned off to you know to uh to to government and because then we're we're doomed if I, you do we're doomed, i, I definitely i definitely needed to hear that yeah specific yeah, specifically yeah. today just going about my day with everything going on listening to that book I definitely need to hear. Well, I'm not kidding. My logic was, I'm not bullshitting you. I was like, why am I, if, if, if it's all shit, <laughs> I'm like, why am I not? Literally, I was like, why am I not in Hawaii right now? Why don't I just bring the laptop out there, live stream from there? Fuck it. Find some hot hula girl. Go surfing. Maybe I get eaten by a shark. Maybe not. Whatever. It's all yeah. fucked. That was, you I'm not. Do that. You could do that, but you then have to come back. Yeah, that's the vacation. Yeah, not the life. Yeah, you know. So yeah, just it's... um, just realize that. Look, if it wasn't for the two judges that I talked about, the administrative judges, I would not have been able to do what we did. Yeah, to bring the people that needed to be brought to justice to justice. Believe me, I would not have been able to do it. And um, and you know, it's um, it, and you have to have that kind of faith 
yeah. in our our government in our institutions um but you have to be mindful of the fact that there are people out there who are no matter how much they want you to believe that they're good they're not yeah you know they're yeah. just not so. it's, it's good to love your neighbor but you should lock your door yeah absolutely absolutely you have to you know you have to understand that there are that there are people out there who are going to take advantage of you no matter what um no matter what. Listen, you know, with the two with the two Garsons, an example of that, you know, I know that sounds like I have an example for all of these no, things. Dude, but it's great. That's why case, you're here, Mike, is because you have shit to talk about. Listen, Garson, the, the, the cousin who was a judge, was in charge of their mutual aunt had a nice little nest egg. Sure. And he was in charge because she had no no um, children of watching over her and taking care of her and making sure that her money was secure, etc. Yeah. And as it turns out, we found out during discussions when we had Gerald Garson wired, uh, not wired, not himself wired, but uh, the lawyer talking to him, Gerald Garson began complaining to our lawyer informant that his cousin Michael was essentially looting their aunt's estate. And you know, he wasn't upset for his aunt. You know what he was upset at? That if his aunt suddenly died, or died maybe in 10 years, Michael would have looted everything so he wouldn't have been able to get his half of his aunt's estate. That's how evil yeah. These people were. Yeah. He didn't care about somebody breaking the law and hurting a relative. He cared about what was going to be left, if anything, in this pot of money for him when his aunt finally passed away. That, That's it's so, it's, it's kind of oh, like uh, it's kind of like Heinrich Himmler because he the architect no Eichmann sorry Adolf Eichmann the architect of the final solution yeah he in the final like months of the war they were still they were really not happy with the sort of double pincer that was happening with Russia and America and the British and it is because not because well not just because they're losing the war but because they were not going to stop diverting resources to run the trains to the the concentration camps. So despite the fact that death was approaching as as Eisenhower comes marching from here and the Red Army comes marching from there, they were still saying like, oh shit, we don't have enough time to finish off the Jews. It's like they weren't mad that like, oh, our glorious thousand year Reich lasted five years. They were like, we don't have enough time to kill all the Jews. And it's like, you really are evil. Like, I mean... He's through and through. Like you really are evil. Like holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are evil people in this world. There are the people are corrupt to the bone in terms of some people. It just they're just that's just the way they are. You know. And it's um, if you can sell your soul for a box of cigars. Yeah. Like he did. Then you are a you are a bad person, yeah. a really bad person. Yeah. And and again, if you can, if you see that your elderly aunt who has worked hard all her life and she did work hard all her life and built this nest egg up is being looted by your corrupt cousin and you're only worried about what's going to be left for you. 
then you know there's there's no redemption for a person like that none whatsoever and um you know he's he, he and his lawyer that's his gerald gawson at the trial i had him on videotape counting money that the lawyer handed him counting money putting it in his pocket yeah 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 and the rest in his drawer and he told the jurors that what they they never that he said in his summation his lawyer and of course the client had to give him the okay to say it my client never took a dollar and you never saw him nobody ever saw him take a dollar now that's just a stupid stupid because all i had to do was stand up and ask the judge to allow me to play the videotape once again yeah Say this is what he's saying. You're not seeing what you're actually seeing, and this is what they expected this jury to believe. Well, of course, the jury convicted the guy with no with no problem at all. But that is, you know, that's the kind of mentality that we were dealing with. Yeah. That if you see something in front of you, you're not seeing what you're seeing. You know, and they would, and they think that people are going to buy that. And but there are people in this country who do buy that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, yeah. The sleight of hand. Yeah. Don't look. Don't look here. Look over here. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. And or, um, yeah. Or yeah. I, my 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 analogy during my summation was with one of these guys was that what he's trying to what he's the, what this lawyer is trying to do. This is one of the other cases in the corruption series. Was what a uh, what a guy a magician does in Las Vegas where he wants you to believe that he actually made an elephant disappear by getting you to what he's doing is getting you to look somewhere else or pay attention to something else as they walk the elephant off the stage. And then he takes the curtain away and says, you know, the elephant disappeared. Well, you know, that's what he's trying to get you to do. The jury and the jury, of course, with all nodding their head because they understood what I was trying to say. And it's just like that. It's just like a musician. You know, you look, don't look here where you could tell what i'm doing look over here where you know you're not uh you're not paying attention to me putting the ball in my pocket or yeah. doing something you know that yeah. kind of thing yeah so, it's the it's 1984 the the party's uh last and final order was to yeah. ignore what your eyes and ears are telling you yeah you're looking exactly. at this happening and right now someone's looking at if someone walked in and i'd be going i'm not talking to mike right now I'm not talking to him right now. He's not on my MacBook screen for episode 293. Like that's what it is. But exactly. it gets to a point though where a lot of people just go, "Oh, I guess he's not." Yeah. And, and, and fuck, that's you know, it's like that that CNN headline this summer where that like that auto shop was burning and the the the, the ticker at the bot or the whatever the headline said fiery comma but mostly peaceful protests protests yeah i know like like it was a weather condition people bought it yeah people bought it tom unfortunately yeah it's uh unfortunately that's why i say to you you know don't um you you've got to you've got to not completely uh turn your mind off to the fact that there are people who are good and people who are on the up and up and people who are not corrupt. You can't you can't do that because you in a certain way become like the people who you've just criticized. Yes. You know? You and stick your um, head in you the sand, yeah. You can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. So it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
that's definitely where like the mind goes of like why am i following any of this why do i care if a judge did that or if this election was rigged or if smedley butler was won over by jp morgan like why am i doing this how come i'm not just turning it all off and just having guests on here and shooting the shit smoke some weed drink some beer go to bed and wake up tomorrow and do it again and it's because as tempting as that is because apathy it's like a it's like a great you know, yeah, like it's, you're right. It's, I don't say be apathetic. It's, no, it's, that's not. It's yeah, tempting. You can't be it's, that either. Yeah, it sucks you in. It, it's it's like a hot shower. It's like come on yeah. in. But like a hot shower, the hot water eventually runs out. Right. And be aware. Be mindful, but also understand that there are um, there are there's a a good part to uh, to the way that we. We live. Listen, we lasted all these years, this country, yeah. for a reason, because the foundation is strong. You know, that Constitution is very, very strong. And um, and it will ultimately take us through this. Yeah, this this problem. It really will, because yeah. it has to. It's, it's lasted this 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 far. And the other kind of government that people want and push has been a failure everywhere. It's, it's every single failed. time. Every everywhere. And as there's a reason for that, because it's it's just a a bad system. And ultimately, people wake up and say, wait a second, what what am I doing? I'm not uh, I'm I'm horribly worse off than I was before. So ultimately, people will, you know, if it ever came to pass, which I don't believe it will. But if it ever came to pass, it would not last very long. No, I think. Yeah, I think that. I think if yeah, if there was a takeover of America, people always say there could never be a civil war or revolution because if America fell, the whole world would fall. Yeah, I I think that's kind of the mindset. It's like, well, you know what? Then we're just going to burn the whole thing down. Like it's so. Hey, don't try it here. But you're right. You know, there's a reason why a hundred. There's a reason why this system's last lasted for two hundred and forty four years, and why we still have a nine trillion dollar GDP, and why communism has killed. Communism killed 16 times as many people as Hitler in the 20th yeah. century. Okay, uh, yeah, it's, and and it's important that you keep the faith. You know, that's the uh, that's the thing. There yes, are sir. people, you know, who have done things who to fight this kind of corruption. You're looking at one. I mean, I, I basically became a pariah in my community. That legal community, people wouldn't even wouldn't even talk to me. You know, and uh, because I was taking on. I was taking down some of the, uh, you know, the sacred uh, idols, and yeah. um, and and it's you just have to understand and accept the fact that you're going to take your lumps, but you're doing the right thing. But I never lost faith in the system. I never did. I, um, you know, there are there are things that are bad about it, but overall there are, and I kept looking back to those two administrative judges that I talked that I talked to you about. I said they knew. They were, you know, the, and and one of the best things that ever happened to me in, in this whole investigation was I was at, I think I may have written about this in the book. I was at a um, a lawyer's event. I don't know if it was a Christmas party or if it was a, a, a bar association event. And basically, and I don't mean to be dramatic about this, that if I was walking around with a drink, people would literally, you know, move aside because they didn't want me to engage them in conversation. That's how bad things got. Except one judge who I've known, who I knew for a long time, came up to me and said, keep going. You're doing the right thing. Good. Fuck yeah. And, uh, and that's it. And that 
that was all I needed, Tom. That yeah. was all I needed. I knew that I was on the right track, you know. Right. So, um, that's, well, I yeah. think that's I think that's what I needed today was to hear that from you. That was good. good. Thank good. you, sir. Good. It's good. 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 Get my fucking grow a pair. Stand up straight. Don't mope there around. Let's fucking do and this in, thing. And in three days, it'll be Christmas. So three days, it'll be Christmas. <laughs> fucking right. You got to keep the positive. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Vecchioni. I need I needed that injection of sunshine today. Thank You're you. You're welcome. I've been, You're welcome. You're I've welcome. been pouting so, around like a little bitch today. Thank you. I needed yeah. that. But um, author of Crooked Brooklyn, which will be in the description, stick you in the top comment, and we will do an episode in January, Friends of the Family. And you will be on... On the Pleb Show, Plebian Media, next week, and Don's got yeah next Tuesday, next Tuesday, three o'clock, three yeah. o'clock, yeah, yeah, he's got. So you'll let me, you'll you'll give me a date in January, and we'll uh, we'll do. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you my calendar, right? I'll text it to you in like two minutes, and then just Terrific. yeah, give me, I'll okay. give you my open days. You choose a date, and let's do it. And uh, yeah, Don's a cool guy, man. You'll like it. Very good, very good. When you stop recording, I want to talk to you about this. Uh, sure, sure. Let me. Uh, let me three. Let me, I'll tell you when I stop.